ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ಸ್ ಟು ವೇದಾಂತ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಬೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀ ಸಚ್ಚಿದಾನಂದೇಂದ್ರ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ಸ್ವಾಮೀಜಿ ಹೊಳೆ ನರಸೀಪುರ ಕರ್ನಾಟಕ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಲೆಕ್ಚರ್ ಸೀರೀಸ್ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಸೀನ್ ಫೋರ್ ಸೆಷನ್ಸ್ ಟುಡೇಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಫಿಫ್ತ್ ಸೆಷನ್ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗಣೇಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಡಾಕ್ಟರ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣಮೂರ್ತಿ ಶಾಸ್ತ್ರಿ ದಂಬೆ ಪುಣಚ ಬಂಟ್ವಾಳ ತಾಲೂಕು ದಕ್ಷಿಣ ಕನ್ನಡ ಜಿಲ್ಲೆ ಕರ್ನಾಟಕ ಭಾರತ ಅಪ್ಲಿಕೇಶನ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಮೆಥಡ್ ದಿ ಫಾಲೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಆರ್ ದಿ ಪ್ರಿನ್ಸಿಪಾಲ್ ಸ್ಟೆಪ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ರೀಸನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ವಿಚ್ ದಿ ಆಥರ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ರಿಪೀಟೆಡ್ಲಿ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಅವರ್ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಇನ್ ಅರೈವಿಂಗ್ ಅಟ್ ದಿ ಟ್ರೂತ್ ಆಫ್ ರಿಯಾಲಿಟಿ ಬೈ ದಿ ಎಂಪ್ಲಾಯ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಮೆಥಡ್ ಆಫ್ ತ್ರೀ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ದಿ ಟ್ರೈ ಬೇಸಿಕ್ ಮೆಥಡ್ ಆಸ್ ಹೀ ಕಾಲ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಇನ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ ವಿತ್ ದಿ ಮೋನೋ ಬೇಸಿಕ್ ಮೆಥಡ್ ವಿಚ್ ಟೇಕ್ಸ್ ದಿ ವೇಕಿಂಗ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ ಅಲೋನ್ ಆಸ್ ದಿ ಬೇಸಿಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಯುಲೇಷನ್ ಒನ್ ದರ್ ಆರ್ ತ್ರೀ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಓನ್ಲಿ ತ್ರೀ ಡಿಸ್ಟಿಂಕ್ಟ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ವಿಚ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಒನ್ ಆಫ್ ಅಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸಸ್ ಟೂ these states are neither successive events in the same time series nor three different entities or things occupying the same space for while waking and dream present their own world categorized characterized by different orders of time and space there is no one time for our space common to both and all notion of time or space is abolished in deep sleep third one hence it is wrong to imagine that the waking ego really remembers a sleep or a dream as having been experienced in the past there is a distinct ego for each of the dreams as well as for waking and no ego experiences sleep fourth the waking world is a concomitant of waking consciousness just as the dream world is bound up with dream consciousness each one of the states therefore whether waking or dream includes its own world and so the later can never overpass its state fifth while ideas feelings and other properties of the mind do change their basis the witnessing consciousness which testifies to the changes of the ego cannot change for if it would it did we could not be aware of the change at all it must be granted therefore that witness is the same for all the states only while the witness of waking and dream has for its object a world made up of the ego and the non ego which thrive there is a subject object relation it ceases to have any such object in deep sleep we therefore intuit it only as pure consciousness in the later state sixth the memory of sleep or dream is possible only because of this pure consciousness persisting through all the states seventh sleep and dream are known to us only through intuition and the knowledge thus acquired is afterwards thrown into the forms of the intellect so that we naturally conclude that it's it originates from the waking intellect eighth waking and dream are distinguished only from the waking point of view but they can never be identified as such while they last for dream ex- exhibits all the elements of waking and possesses no characteristic mark by which it could be recognized or distinguished from waking ninth we have therefore to conclude that pure consciousness has only two modes the dynamic mode waking or dream when it seems to be split up into the ego and the non ego in the uh, subject object relation and the static sleep tenth strictly speaking sleep is not a state at all we call it an unconscious state because we are insensible then to the ego or the non ego but that is only from the waking point of view but sleep in itself is really pure consciousness and nothing else 
we as pure consciousness are not aware of anything else then because there is nothing else to be aware of 11th from this correct thought position we see that pure consciousness is the only reality it is neither dynamic nor static and since we daily experience that both waking and dream with all their seeming distinctions of the ego and the non ego are completely merged in sleep or pure consciousness all the so called states are really one with this pure consciousness all talk of change or changelessness in the later is meaningless 12th pure consciousness is pure being and pure bliss all in one satchit ananda it is pure in the sense that it has no second beside it vedanta as a positive science founded on reason intuition and experience steers clear of all difficulties incidental to partial views whether of a physical science which has committed itself to an objective view of mind as well as of matter or of realistic philosophies which aim at a critical view of the universe and try to generalize and harmonize the conclusions of the special sciences or again idealistic systems which speculate on the basis of the laws of the intellect all system builders whether of the east or of the west have confined their attention to the waking state to the exclusion of dream and sleep and to that extent their systems have been necessarily defective furthermore while the highest reality in universally intuited in our sleep to be identical with our deepest self these systems have been treating it as though it were an external object and are ingeniously trying to identify it either with some logical category such as substance quality action universality or relation or with some faculty of the waking mind such as idea will or feeling it is evident that no amount of generalization or criticism can ever land them at genuine reality as the author remarks these thinkers have traversed the whole gamut of human thought and have failed to arrive at finality no wonder that the philosophic area of the present day appears to be an arena of uh, unending conflicts the critical survey of modern thought to which a considerable portion of the present work is devoted whatever the judgment of scholars be on its merits as a historical account must certainly serve as the author claims as a powerful illustration to uh, show how the absence of a tri basic view rendered each thinker's conclusions mere opinions theoretical thought positions which failed to produce general conviction and which made it necessary as well as possible for every successive thinker to strike out a new path for himself which terminated again in another wilderness benefits of the method as for the beneficial results that follow from the adoption of the comprehensive method of vedanta shri ayer illustrates them by first expounding the theory of the three degrees of reality and then showing how vedanta overcomes skepticism it rises above the charge of solipsism it can solve the problem of appearance and reality convincingly it provides a sure basis of ethics and a definite system of eschatology it accounts for the apparent def- difficulty felt in the problem of perception it reconciles the conflict of idealism and realism and finally how it supports and justifies the essential dogmas of theology by offering satisfactory proofs or cons- consistent theories and explains the principles of aesthetics by a reference to reality in its aspect as pure bliss mysticism and vedantic knowledge 
in the course of the discussion of the question of appearance and reality it is shown how primeval ignorance and mistaken transference of the ego and the non ego are primarily responsible for the bondage of the soul's error and in the chapters on knowledge and release and on practice and reflection it has been explained how release from that bondage is possible in the waking or empirical life of alone by contemplation of the nature of reality since ignorance has an import in the sphere of the intellect only while we find frequent references made to trance or yogic samadhi and its rationale disclosed in the light of vedanta the author has been careful to invite our attention to the fact that mystic trances only confirm our sleep experience and are not indispensable to vedantic knowledge thus the book may be said to contain a complete exposition of all the essentials of vedanta as it offers detailed suggestions on the practical side of this system no less than a systematic exposition of its positive aspect as the science of reality next traditional authority for certain interpretations as the author has declared in so many words that upanishads of which shankara is the greatest exponent reveal the deepest spiritual experience of all mankind it is to be expected that vedantins who are devotees of the orthodox ways of interpretation would be glad to know how far sri ayer has been faithful to the spirit of the upanishads and shankara's bhashyas it would be therefore profitable to consider certain points on which the present work might seem at first sight to diverge from either source it has to be noted however that the value of the work would by no means be minimized even if ultimately it were found that it differs from any authority on any particular point for as the author says at the very outset vedanta demands no blind allegiance to any elegance allegiance to any sect or school and respects no traditions or biblical authority in its search after truth truth and he has the full support of shankara himself who has made this most unequivocal statement with regard to the validity of the vedas themselves nahi vachanam vastuno anyatha karane vyapriyate kindarhi yatha bhutartha jnapane a text is not going to change a fact but only to make it known as it is prashnopadin bhashya 63 ಶೀತೋಗ್ನಿಸ್ಮಿಸ್ಟಿಸ್ In the very first place we shall inquire if the procedure of the mandukya has been followed by the reasoning here at first sight it would appear that the author describes the method as an examination of the three avasthas in contrast with the shruti which describes aspects padas or padas of atman and not the states the result however would be the same so long as we stick to the witnessing self in each of the states during the investigation The name Vaishwanara has been used by the Upanishad to indicate that the whole of the state is taken to be the upadhi or conditioning factor or perspective in which we look at the self. Sarvasya prapanchasya sadhidaivikasya anenatmana chatuspatvasya vivakshitatvat evancha sarva prapanchovashame advaita siddhi. The whole world external and internal has been 
taken along with this atman as one of the four aspects postulated and so uh, when all the world is dissolved we arrive at one atman without a second mandukya upanishad bhashya 3 the author has taken care to preserve this uh, feature of the method by asserting that what is known as the world uh, including our body comes and goes with our waking in this way he has managed to keep up his fidelity to the orthodox line of thinking which maintains that the conception of the universe as a whole is fundamental to the conception of reality without involving the reader in the maze of technical terms like vaishvanara in the second place let us see if he has been true to the upanishad and shankara when he says that the ego merges in reality itself in sleep is that the last step in the reasoning if so why does the upanishad speak of turiya or the fourth aspect of atman here we have to remember that it is the same brahman or atman that is spoken of as the witnessing self in each of the states it is true that the mandukya defines sleep as the state of a state where the atman desires nothing and sees no dream na kanchana kamam kamayade na kanchana swapnam pasyati but that only implies that the object of the witnessing consciousness in the other two states is an illusory appearance while no such object is experienced here in fact upanishads invariably declare that the absence of being aware of an object in sleep is because of the soul being merged in his own essential self as pure being sati sampadya or pure consciousness prajnana atmana samparishvaktah and shankara explains this by saying that the soul in this state is in his own true form swarupastah and is called prajna because pure consciousness is exclusively his own nature while the other two have an uh, adjunctual consciousness also prajnapti matram asyeva sadharanam rupam iti prajna itarayostu vishishtam api vijnanam asti iti he is the omniscient lord of all yesha sarveshya sarvaj sarvesha in so far as he is the metaphysical cause of all that we see in the empirical world yoni sarvasya as the shruti says but in himself when his being the potential seed of the world is not taken into account this very same prajna or prajna is turiya the absolute reality altogether free from the body and other conditioning associates ताम अभीजावस्था तस्जशब्दवाच्य तुरीयतासबंधरिता पारमाकी पृथक वक्ष्यति गौड़पादारिकाष्य वन टू दिथर हिमसेल्फ एपीस टू दिस इंटरप्रिटेशन ऑफ तुरीया ऑफर्ड बे गौड़पाद एंड शंकरा इन ए फूड नोट ए थर्ड पॉइंट टू बी कंसिडर्ड इन दिस कनेक्शन ईज विद रेफरेंस टू द रिलेशन ऑफ द प्यूर कॉन्शियस्नेस to the phenomenal world the author repeatedly says that the world is no creation or emancipation from god but this uh, but his manifestation he is the faithful uh, to upanishads and shankara creation in the sense of bringing something into existence out of nothing is of course repugnant repugnant to the spirit of upanishads how could bring a born out of nothing how could being be born out of nothing chandag upanishad 622 emanation or issuing forth from the source is uh, preluded precluded by the assertion of upanishads that all the universe is even now verily brahman mundaka upanishad 2 to 11
manifestation of self expression on the other hand is expressly backed by the shruti so kamayata bahusyam he desired may become many taitiro upanishad 26 and shankara explains that name and form manifest themselves without losing their essential nature as atman atmarupa आत्मूपा परत्यागेन व्याक्रीयते एंड द आथर आल्सो राइट्स द इन कॉन्सनेंस विद दिस योर डिफिकल्टीज अराइज फ्रॉम डाइवोर्सिंग द मैनिफेस्टेशन फ्रॉम द रियलिटी अंडरलाइंग इट द वर्ल्ड इज नॉट समथिंग सेपरेट फ्रॉम पीसी सो uh it bears that is pure consciousness bears both the aspects at the same time and while remaining the changeless becomes the world marked by unceasing change and the ego that perceives it again brahman as absolute is free from all re- relations and it is only the reference to uh, its manifestation it has to be assumed as the cause while it accompanies all life without undergoing all change there is also side by side that uh, uh, with it an empirical life ruled by time space and causality and which again in sleep it dissolves into itself i shall now mention a point or two on which sri ayers exegesis does not appear to me to keep pace with that of shankara and godopada in the first place he has not to my mind laid sufficient stress on the significance of the negations employed in the mantra mandukya upanishad 7 revealing the nature of turiya or the absolute why does the shruti use a string of negatives to point out turiya why does it not specifically describe reality directly do these denials and anything say the opposite of what is denied to the nature of turiya or do they affirm the real existence of the attributes denied somewhere else than turiya or do they at least denote the absolute absence of attributes denied in turiya these questions which the empirical view might suggest are neither answered in the affirmative nor neg- negated by the author true he has emph- emphatically declared that the uh, absolute is beyond all speech and thought and that it is a negation of all marks by which an empirical object may be identified but the function of negations in common uh, in connection with the absolute uh, seems to be nowhere directly discussed in this work besides the author's remarks on the famous godapada karika 116 where the secondless reality is described as unborn unsleeping and undreaming are even liable to be misinterpreted by the unwary student of vedanta even while we describe it pure consciousness in this negative manner says the author we do sub- objectify it and do injustice to its real nature a reader of average intelligence not initiated into the traditional way of understanding in upanishadic teaching is apt to suppose that this statement implies that there is possibly uh, affirmative description of turiya and uh, contrasted with uh a negative one with due respect to think contrast 
so con- contact with whom has helped me in no small measure to understand the rational cast of upanishadic teaching i have to say that this interpretation of vedantic negation is not quite correct no negation objectifies thuriya or reality not only because the latter is by nature not objectifiable but also because the function of shastraic teaching has nothing to do with the secondless atman as shankara remarks dvaita bhave shastra vyaparah advaite virodhat the function of the shruti is to remove duality and not to affirm something about non duality for that would be a contradiction in terms godapada karika bhashya 232 the fact is that negation of the superimposed is the only way to direct the attention of the seekers towards thuriya thuriya is self evident in most self and no description definition or proof of its existence is needed being self evident it demands no knowledge to throw light upon it and to make it known uh, nor is it possible to objectify it by any knowledge either either to know it is only to intuit it its very nature therefore desiderates the removal of the interpreting uh, intercepting superimpositions on it to wipe out the constructs of avidya and nothing more for making it known so i think we will uh, end here this is the fifth session in introductions to vedanta texts by shri shri sachidanandan saraswati swami ji next sixth session we shall see in the uh, next day tomorrow hare rama shri shri sachidanandan saraswati charanaravindar pramastu sarve jana sukhino bhavantu om tat sat